This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Welcome, Dr. Sam Rader, to the podcast. I'm so truly grateful for your work. I took the uh, source code 12-week intensive earlier this year and had a profound shift in my life. And it wasn't just like an internal shift. It was all of my relationships, my understanding of self, um, and the way I parent, but certainly the way I was parented, all with compassion and with grace and with um, a word that you use a lot, attunement, but to myself, because I'm my baby now. And um, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful um, that you took the time. I'm grateful for your work. And uh, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience um, and let them know what source code is and, and who you are and, um, and all of that good stuff. Thank you, Danielle. And it's been so wonderful having you a part of the source code community. And I was so delighted when you asked me to be on this podcast. So I'm really happy to be here. Um, So I'm Dr. Sam, and I live in Los Angeles, and I was a psychologist for about 18 years in private practice. And as I was doing that wonderful work of being a therapist, I started to notice there were these patterns across all of my clients, these universal patterns that were shared regardless of any other life circumstances, you know, people from very, very varied backgrounds were all having the same problems and even using the same exact keywords to describe their problems. And I'm a little bit of a supercomputer, so I'm like a, a code breaker, I'm a pattern seeker. I'm like, oh wait, I hear mm, patterns, patterns. <laughs> so <laughs> I noticed the wow. patterns and I started tracking them and writing them down for over 10 years. Um, and really seeing and refining that there's really only 12 problems we have as human beings. And I call these our coping styles. So um, I I love that coping styles, that they're not like defects necessarily, right? Like you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. In fact, there's something great with the machinery that you're coping with whatever was not 100%. And language matters. So I just wanted to... Exactly. So the reason I call it source code is that I believe in our first five years of life, our early experience writes a code in our unconscious. We kind of get programmed by our early experience. And then this programming determines how our lives unfold for the rest of our lives. We keep seeing the same patterns that keep repeating of how we were programmed. And so the coping Mm. styles are kind of like the glitches in the code. And they came to be because during those first five years of life, we go through certain discrete developmental stages where we're hardwired to learn certain aspects of ourselves. Like, is it okay for me to exist? Is it okay for (laughs) me to depend on others? Is it okay for me to be independent from others? We have all these burning questions about the self and based on how we're supported during these early years, we either integrate that aspect of ourselves Or if we don't get exactly what we need, and by the way, most parents aren't aware of the subtle developmental needs of a child. And so if we don't get exactly what we need, we have to adapt by adopting a coping style. And it's just a reflex of like, oh, my environment can't support this. So then I'll contort myself in this subtle way that can hold me through that experience. But even though it was a very healthy adaptation to an environment that wasn't totally supportive, what helped us then is hurting us now. Because as Mm -hmm. adults, we enter a world that's neutral and that can hold all of us, but we're still in that contorted position, that defensive defense mechanism, and we get stuck there. And we actually, the craziest part about it is we don't usually even know that it's happening. It's outside of our awareness because it's an unconscious defense mechanism and we think it's just our personality. Because it's how we right. always been. We're like, I'm just this. I'm just shy, or I'm just bossy. We just think it's how we are, but it's a defense mechanism. I love the idea that we live in a neutral world. Can you tell me more about that? Do we live in a neutral world? In my experience, yes, and even more than just neutral, um, quantum. If I if I mm. can get woo woo right off the bat. <laughs> 
Right up, just right out the gate. Let's just let's, let's just go, go for it. <laughs> I mean, you already told us you you've been you were you were like a psychologist for a very long time. This is rooted in in experience. Yes, and because, and the woo woo. Yeah, and because I've started to see that what really shifts people is this more quantum energetic spiritual work. I actually left the field of psychology. I no longer identify as a psychologist because mm. what used to take me years to help my clients with in therapy sitting week after week, I can now do in like a number of hours. So when you yeah. went through that, I, I, I did, I did. Yes. I can vouch for that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like in that intensive, we do one coping style per week. And if you have that coping style in space, you've only got two hours in the room for, for that class. But in those two hours, this lifelong pattern begins to unravel. Was that your Well, experience? we bring consciousness to it, right? Yes. We bring consciousness to it and um, we practice some um, antidotes and exercises in that time. There's also like a group container, which I know has been, for me, very powerful. I think like one-on-one -on -one therapy is is great, but also when you can see the coping styles and you can see, um, you know, yourself reflected in someone else, particularly if they're moving through something and graduating out of it yes it can be it can really unlock something in you yes because also very quickly it, it's it's just this universal phenomenon everyone's like i feel that way i feel that way. you're like you do i thought that was just me it's like no it was never you right. it was this shared coping style that we all have that we can all liberate ourselves from together um but yeah i think that i think the the magic um formula is i, I love that it's that group container it's also like you said naming and bringing consciousness to a pattern that's been completely unconscious. And then it's also experiencing the new reference. It's having that energetic transmission from the teacher of like, okay, so you've been constricted your whole life. Let's really know about what that is and why that is. And now let's feel in your body the antidote of free. What would it feel like in this moment to finally be free of all that tension and constriction? And we touch it, we taste the new self, the new identity, the new world. And that's why it's quantum. So should I come back to the, the thing about the neutral world? I, I want that so badly, yeah. Okay, great. So in, in, in quantum physics, what we learn is that what arises in reality is what we expect to see or what we're looking for. So at the most subatomic basic way, if, we're, if you're looking for a wave, you see a wave. And if you're looking for a particle, you see a particle. So which is it, a particle or a wave? Well, it is whatever your consciousness is holding that it is. And so on the macro level, this is true where the coding in our unconscious, our source code, determines what unfolds for us. How our realities show up for us is based on the myths and the symbols and the beliefs and the stories that we're carrying inside of us. So mm -hmm. as we shift those, and that's what, what source code is, is we're coders, we recode people. As we shift the coding, the whole world shifts to meet us in the new story because the world is mm -hmm. a very malleable um, matrix of consciousness and information. And when we shift our consciousness, the whole world shifts to meet us. I'll give you an example of how I know that to be true. Okay, great. I was, I really identified, I, I identify with all 12 of the coping styles, which I know makes me a special unicorn, just like you. Like me, yeah. Um, <laughs> but particularly with symbiotic and frictive. But symbiotic, I think um, many, I, I don't know, maybe, I could be wrong, but I, I feel like a lot of women could identify with symbiotic. And, and I don't know if that's a cultural thing or if that's just what I'm seeing because it's what I'm looking for. It could I be just that. I think it's Which I'd actually mm, love to talk to you about so that too. Because when people are like, life's just Tell like me. this, I'm like, oh. So that's how you're programmed. Well, I w I'm programmed to believe that symbiotic meaning, from what I understand this coping style to be, is like someone with like not great boundaries. And I also like, um, well, I, I really like to um, feel needed and supportive, but I don't want to be like, I don't want to be the star of the play. I just want to be like the funny gal who comes in and like, like the, 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 the sidekick. I, I've like built a whole career. I'm being the sidekick. Um, and in fact, I am the star of my life. 
that the source of all things brought me here to be this mag majestic being, <laughs> the center of this whole life of mine. Um, but just as a, just to confirm in my experience that what we, when we change our, our inner workings, the outside also changes. Yes. I had behaved that way for so long, even in my relationship with Dan, my, my husband of like, I don't know, 11 years, 11 years. We've been together for 15. He's so the guy who does everything. And I'm just sort of, you know, riding, <laughs> riding his coattails in some ways. But, um, all of a sudden, when I could stand in my own power, there I was meeting him eye to eye. He could <gasps> relax. And that felt so good for me. And that feels good for my kids because when I'm in my power, I'm being honest. When I'm being honest, I'm being whole. When I'm being whole, I'm being loving easily. Yes. I don't need to just like prove my goodness to everyone. I've it's tried. actually quite rattling. The dog barking is so rattling when I'm in that coping mechanism because what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Or you're having your experience. Yes. You might need something, but it doesn't take from me. Yes. Yeah. And I think you're, you're sprinkling in a little bit of premature with symbiotic. They've kind of married together inside of you, I think. But the symbiotic coping style is um, when we learned to be the sidekick that someone else was the big, powerful, strong other who had all the knowing, who had all the agency, who had all the power. And we just have to make sure that they're okay and that they're not upset with us. And we're always trying to go mm. with their flow and smooth things over and just be easy and gentle and just hang on to them because we, we make them our source. We don't know we have our own source mm -hmm. to source inside of us. Mm. And the antidote to symbiotic, like you're saying, is to become solid, which is literally an embodiment of feeling more firm in your body, in your self structure. I have a self. I am separate from everything else. I can say no. And like you said, I can be more honest because if we're symbiotic and we're trying to people please all the time, we can't be honest. We can't disagree. We can't have our own point Scary. of view. Yeah. Scary. So, and what's funny is like, even when I, in relation to my husband, to be scared of him who's not scary. Wait, what have I? Yes. What have I just projected onto you? Exactly. That's not yours. Precise. That's confusing. It's uh, so beautifully said. And I do just want to revisit <laughs> this idea that women are that way, not men. In my experience, that's not at all true. So in family systems, sometimes it's the man that is more of the omnipotent coping style, which is that kind of boss. Um, archetype, someone who's very bossy, demanding, intense, pushy, n like needs things to go their way, needs to be in control. And then omnipotent and symbiotic styles often go together. And then the wife is more symbiotic and yielding or whatever. But in some family systems, it's the exact reverse. It's the woman who's yeah. so pushy and so needs all the control and so needs, and the yeah. man's just, okay, whatever you need, honey. And whatever system we grew up in, we're like, well, that's just mm -hmm. life. Men are just pushovers or women are just pushovers, mm. depending on what we saw modeled for us. It just feels like that's just true. And then, like you said, those are the patterns we look for and those are the patterns mm. we recreate and project onto everything. So as, mm. Daniela, as you've stood up into your solidness and yeah. stood eye to eye with your husband, and you know, yeah. have you noticed anything in your world started shifting to meet you? Um, any new opportunities, any new reflections from strangers or friends? Yeah. You know, I think as an actor for a long time, I, and you live in LA, so you might know a lot of actors, but I would feel at the whim of life itself, that life itself was this omnipotent thing being totally and I don't feel that way as much anymore I think I can dip into that feeling a lot but really no I I feel less um like almost victimized by the demands I have or by the 
skills I want to share because they're mine and I own them and I have agency over them in a way that I don't think I did before because I never identified I'm a very loud outspoken person that's what that's what was confusing about the um that's why I, I would never have identified as this sort of submissive person or 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 whatever this with coping style was but in fact loud and opinionated had nothing to do with it I don't have to prove my point as strongly as I did before I had an issue with a babysitter lovely she was lovely and if you can't you know handle both kids this isn't the right job for you and that doesn't mean I'm bad, even uh, if you think I'm being mean. Right, that's huge. Which scares me that I that I that I would be mean. Right. <laughs> that I that's, would be mean. That I would be pushy. That I would be right. All these things that I would be scared to be. Yes. In fact, I'm being very, extremely loving to everyone involved, and I say I think we need to part ways. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. When we're symbiotic, we're so afraid of being perceived as mean. We're so afraid of disagreeing. We're so afraid of not being on the same page with someone else. And to just go, no, it's the most loving thing for me to say no. Sometimes no, no is the most loving thing for everyone. Even if they don't understand, we don't have to share a mind here, which there's that fusion in the symbiotic and omnipotent consciousnesses of like, we have to have one, one way of seeing things. But it's interesting to, t- to talk about, well, first of all, I just want to say to your listeners, you can have both of those coping styles in spades, believe it or not. So Daniela had all 12. I had all 12. Most of us have a handful of them. And weirdly, you can waffle back and forth between omnipotent and symbiotic. I'm a dyed-in-the-wool, both. But when we're in one of those matrices, like coming back to this idea of the world being neutral, the world becomes the counterpart to whatever we are. So like you said, when we're in symbiotic mode, right? and we're kind of in that submissive, passive, confused, limp, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. The wor- we, we are the world's bitch. The world, yeah. we feel at the mercy of these larger forces. We feel like we just have to go along with the powers that be, the, the way that the universe is acting upon us. And right, and I called it because I was an actor. That was just like random information I, I assigned this experience. Yes, exactly. We try to make sense of it consciously. We try to tell a story that makes sense of why am I at the mercy of the world? Well, because we're in the symbiotic mode. Conversely, if we're in omnipotent mode, the world feels like my bitch. So I feel like I can just shape things and mold things and manipulate things to get them the way I want. And also the shadow side of it is like, um, I feel like I have to take care of everything. Because it's all on me because I'm the little ruler of the universe. And so everything that is, is my responsibility and everything that is needs me to regulate it and control it. And it's my job to do that. And I'm able to do that. And the world is very malleable to me. So the world is really just the neutral energy of our energetic field that surrounds us. And whatever myth we're in, the world meets us right there in that myth. So as we heal our coping yeah. styles and we get out of either that one down or that one up position to the world and we're just connected and safe and solid, then the world meets us in an entirely new story where it's yeah. not our bitch and we're not its bitch. Sorry to keep swearing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, but we're dancing. We're dancing mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the goal. But the world and I are dancing. I do feel that a lot more. And also, I, I don't have to, because I'm not proving my goodness. Uh, what was that? Um, I'm not proving my goodness to the dog, to the kids, to the husband, to the to the to, to the business. I'm not proving my goodness constantly. My nervous system gets to relax. Huge. Can you imagine? So this this coping style was formed at, um, you know, younger than five years old. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the omnipotent coping style. That's a long time for the nervous system to be so over over reactive and active around a belief like I'm I'm not good or I I could be perceived as mean or I could be misunderstood. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. 
that in and of itself, living in a nervous system that is not constantly trying to prove my own points. Because yes. I, you know, yeah, it's symbiotic doesn't necessarily mean like, um, I'm nice all the time, but when push came to shove and I had something to say, it was like, it was like too dramatic. Yes. <laughs> actually, when you want to get your point across, you just say, oh, I, I actually don't think this is a good fit. Yes. Yeah. If we're in the symbiotic wound, we have a paralyzing fear of confrontation. And the symbiotic wound gets formed right. during toddlerhood, one and a half to three years old, when we're exploring our individuation for the first time. Before that, we're completely dependent, helpless little babies in our parents' arms. And when we start to toddle away from the safe base of our caregivers and try things on our own for the first time and explore our independence, what happens there? Are we allowed to be separate? Are we still connected? Are they still paying attention and supportive and with us as we separate ourselves? Are we allowed to try things in our own way or do we have to do it their way? So we're learning during this time, is it okay for me to be separate and solid and still have connection? And mm. if our parents couldn't for whatever reason tolerate or support our separateness while in connection, then we were like, well, I'd rather have the connection because I'm a one and a half year old and I'll die without them. So fuck my separateness. I won't have any. It's okay. No, I'll just agree with everything you have to say, or at least pretend to. Yes. And I have to just make sure I'm always pleasing and always good because I don't want you to ever get rid of me. I need you in a very special way. Mm. So we get stuck mm -hmm. in that toddler frame of mind if we, if we have the symbiotic style. Something that happens around when, when I engage in like deep healing work is that, and I, and I wonder if this is true for everyone, but when we investigate our childhoods, how do we not get caught in resenting our own parents? Or conversely, if we are interested in parenting or are in the midst of parenting young ones, how do we not, you know, engage in self-attack around, oh, mm -hmm. I didn't do it right. Mm, my God, these are my favorite. Or I'm not doing it right currently because I'm not healed enough or. Yes. Great. Ooh, let's go into all of those. So let's start with the parents. As we start excavating our wounds and we see the ways that we were failed and we weren't supported, a little dose of healthy anger is actually a beautiful thing because it anger is, a, it, is an organizing force. It's a separating force. It's a force that allows us to, to stand up for ourselves and realize what we believe in, what we'll stand for, what we won't stand for. It's like a... <clears throat> Like, it's like flag my flag in the sand. Like, mm. I do, it, this is not okay that I was not allowed to have a self as a little one. No, right? And being mm. like, how could they do that? Ugh, ugh, that's healthy. That's healthy, that's healthy. But if we get stuck on that anger and blaming them and demonizing them, then we're actually tipping into another coping style, the frustrated, where we won't get what we want. Instead, we're just gonna throw a fit about that we got what we didn't want. So- right. Um, not to go too deep into frustrated, but the point is that the healthy anger to establish a new frame and new boundaries and a new reality where we won't, I won't continue to betray myself the way that they showed me how to. No. Mm. Then we get to, from that safe frame of I'm good now, I'm solid, I know who I am, we get to look over there and go, oh my God, they must have been in so much pain. Oh my God. Well, we can't do that before, huh? What? I, I always had a lot of compassion for my parents. Yes. But I do think that like the, it would stop the anger, which was stopped in toddlerhood. Yes, totally. And so it needed to cycle through the system. Absolutely. We can't just feel only the compassion because then we can't individuate and we can't grow out of our wounds because we're, we're just like making sense of their experience all the time, then we're still in their frame. We're still living in their oh. frame. So we've got to uh, push off of uh, the old story, make the new story, plant firm into the ground. I won't do it the old way. I will have a self. I love myself too much to do it the old way. That was wrong what happened to me there. Mm. Okay, this feels good. Now come on in, parents. Let me invite you into the new frame. So I'm not going to go concretely hang out at your house, do things your way, think about it your Come to my house, literally right. and metaphorically. Come into right. my new world where everyone's loved and everyone's separate and everyone's allowed to say no and have a self. This is a new kind of love that you never got, so you couldn't have taught it to me. 
Right. Let me show you. Right. I mean, I think this happens a lot in tight knit communities, right? <laughs> like, tell me more. Where, where, where there's like a that it, uh, many of these coping styles, not all of them, but many of them can sometimes have to do with the the uh, or can be exacerbated by certain cultural norms, right? Like right. in a tight knit community, no, we have to think the same way. Right. Yeah, the collectivist. Except culture. that's not it, right. It, except it's not. Um, I was going to say biologically, but it's not, um, it's not healthy. <laughs> it's just not healthy. It's just not, it doesn't meet the child's needs. If we do end up agreeing on whatever political, religious, cultural ideology, great. But at some point, the child does have to individuate, I mean, like walk away, toddle yeah. away that, to yeah, decide to come back. Yeah, that individuation happens for the first time during toddlerhood, but it happens at every new developmental stage, like going to school for the first time, going away to college. There's all these um, places for reenactments of like, do I get to do I get to fully be on my own in this new way and in this new way and in this new way? Or even having children of your own is another time of individuating or getting married. Like the the dimensions just keep getting stronger of like I am establishing my own self in my own life that's separate from from you. Um, yeah, I feel like there was something. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we we don't punish our parents forever and ever for the sins they didn't even know they were making that were also done to them. We go, okay, this generational pain has been handed down through the millennia. It's no one's fault. And the buck stops with me. Amen. Amen. And I get to reparent myself, and I get to invite my parents into the new frame, and I get to mm. do it differently with my kids. Like we are, our generation is poised to be, it's so insanely beautiful. It's also a lot of, that's a lot. It's a lot to hold. But how incredible. COVID also is just super difficult in general in, in raising children, I think. I'd yeah. be curious to hear what you have to say about that, but go but, on. Uh, yeah, just the here and now is like the first time we've really even had the option. It's the first time we're waking up and even noticing these kinds of things. So it's like pretty miraculous that we're poised to and, you know, probably millions of years of generational pain being handed down to us. Have we really not ever had this technology or information before? I don't think so. In my parents' generation, I'm older than you a little bit. I'm 43. Only a little, yeah. But in my parents' generation, no one was curious about the inner world of their children. No one was like, I wonder what... Or, or themselves. Right. I wonder what my child is thinking or needing or feeling. No, no, not on the menu. They just didn't have the capacity. And you're right. It's not for themselves either. And frankly, most of the people in that generation are pretty phobic of talking about feelings and going deep and yeah. thinking about the self and how it got formed. And it, they don't want to change it. They don't have that yearning. We are, I call us the six fingered tribe. Those of us who, who do, it's like, it's like a genetic mutation. Like mm. we all of the sudden are like, wait, it feels bad to not know the truth. I want to know who I am and I want to shift. Yeah. And that's I really new. have always felt like a mutant. Yes, yeah. It's new on earth. We're brand new. We're brand new. It's so cool. Mm. It is. It but is so cool. but I think it can also be a little bit of a burden as a parent. <laughs> oh my you know god. So much. Totally. You know, my kid's five and I was like you know, he, there's a developmental phase called the edible phase, which you taught us about. And he was going through, he is, I guess, still going through it right now. And it, 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 it dictates a lot. <laughs> Actually, maybe you can go, go into it, but let's just say, I was like, oh my God, I have to do this right. You know, how do I do, how do I, how do I do it right? And, and just like chill out a bit, you know? Yes. And I just want to, I want to speak to that too, because you had asked that a moment ago and it's so important. I think that to not put the pressure on ourselves for a, for a few reasons. So the first is like, we are the first generation waking up. So like give, give yourself a break. We have generations to continue to, to, to work through this evolution. Um, also the very fact that you're listening to a podcast like this, that you're thinking about how to parent, that you're, that you are self-aware that you want to do it right by your children. That's brand new. That's a mm. brand new frame of mind. Our parents weren't, that wasn't even on the agenda. So just that alone is giving them a foundation. And just being the kind of parent who's open to having these kind of discussions with our kids as they do get older, if we do quote unquote fuck it up, cool. 
But if we're willing later to be like, oh, hey, how did that land with you? Oh, and I see it's happening for you. Yeah, tell me about it. Oh, you are mad with me? Oh, I can, I can hold that with you. That's what, at least for me, our parents' generation couldn't do. Yeah, my that's mom what, does it now, huge, which is really cool. That's huge. That's huge. Isn't that huge? Oh, it's huge. I, I was talking to a dear friend, and, and she, was, she was like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know any parent who would be like, you're absolutely right. And I, I totally messed that up. But my mom does. Ugh. Like, she's like, you know what, Daniela? You're right. It took a long time. But, you know, if I take a course like yours and I'm like, but don't you see this and this and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm pretty emphatic with her. But she, she is willing to admit it and it is incredibly healing holy shift that's how i know that's the one moment where i'm i know that i could say um ness pause i didn't do that right and i'm sorry and i know from experience that that feels good oh my it god it feels there's, good when your parent is like i messed that up there's nothing more healing than being in shared reality and not being gaslit like you ah. can forgive anything your parents can mess it up in massive ways. As long as they're like, you know what? I, you're right. I did mess that up. I'm sorry. <clears throat> it's better than had they not messed something up. It's the repair after the rupture, right? It's kind that. Of, oh, yeah, I'm the repair after this. the rupture. I, you know, I love not, that lesson. Actually, if you could tell us a little bit about repair and rupture, that would be cool. Okay, great. But I want to wrap up like six loose ends. Oh, sorry. I just so, have so many questions for you. Um, so the other thing to consider when we're, quote unquote, fucking up our kids, which we will inevitably do, mm. is that whatever coping styles you give them, that sets up the video game of their lives so they can have a hero's journey of healing the same way that we're on. Mm. So it's okay. It's okay. You're giving them a journey. You're not, there's no way you're going to, there's no way they're going to come out of this without a few coping styles, Period. And that's okay. Though then that's their lifelong work is that to get to do this. And think about how rich it is in your own life getting to do this excavation and healing and awareness and peeling back the layers of the onion and the journey of it, right? So they're going to get to have that yeah. journey too. But again, if they get to have that journey with you as the parent going, tell me, tell me what you're learning. Teach me. Bring me with mm. you. Whew. I have chills just thinking about it. It's magic. Yeah, so you the way the you off. and the way you and Ariel hold space is actually um, so reflective of the kind of mother I want to be, you know, just, wow, tell me, tell me. Mm -hmm. It's so moving. It's like, oh, you, you care? You, you want to know mm -hmm. all of it? Mm -hmm. The ugly stuff too? Mm -hmm. Even if it's aimed at me, even if you're really mad at me, be like, tell me, I want to know. I want to keep growing. Which happens, right? Oh my God. Which happens as a therapist? Or a, oh, a healer? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I am the receptacle for shadows like you wouldn't believe. Yes. Uh -huh. I, yes. I receive a lot of uh, what we used to call in, in the therapy field negative transference. Yes. Absolutely. And I'm here for all of it. Because it has to come out. Yes. Yes. And, and it's so important to not be gaslit. It's so important to be able to say what you're thinking and feeling and needing. And even if some of it is projection, that's okay too. And some of it may not be projection. I'm human. I can do things that piss people off for sure. So it's really, yeah, really important. So what happens? Can you tell us about the rupture and repair around a situation like that? You did something yeah. wrong. So what did you happens? want to touch on the Oedipal or you want to go to rupture repair? Mm -hmm. Or should we try to squeeze both into the next? I think we should try and squeeze both in if we okay. can. Um, okay. So rupture and repair um, is really how we grow relationships stronger. So there's researchers who have studied infant caregiver dynamics and seen that the best caregivers, the ones who are quote unquote good enough, the best we've got as humans, are able to perfectly attune to their infant one third of the time. One out of every oh, three yeah. times. That's, that's the best we can do because we're all human. But what happens with a rupture, so a rupture is any little moment where the fabric of connection has a little tear. So we feel misunderstood, dropped, disappointed. Something's off here. You're not getting me. You're not picking up what I'm putting down. We're not on the same page. We're not in sync. That's the rupture. And the repair is trying to communicate 
both sides trying to attempt to understand one another to get back in sync. Oh, I understand why you felt that way. Like when your mother goes, you're right, I did do that. I feel that with you, right? It's the repair of that rupture. And wow, Mm -hmm. you are repairing a rupture from 30 years ago. That's incredible. The repair in that is like, oof. But if you think about like going to the gym when we work out, we have to tear our muscle fibers so that when they grow back, they're stronger and create a deeper bond. That's what builds our muscles. The same is true in a relationship. Each time you tear in a little rupture, but then repair, tear and repair and tear and repair, the bond grows stronger. There's mm. some deeper trust than mm. had there never been a rupture in the first place. Mm. So if we have the disconnected coping style, it's another one of the styles, it's a newborn wounding. It really felt like all there was was ruptures and there were never repairs. So we felt mm. chronically misunderstood. For whatever reason, our parents couldn't or wouldn't attune to us. They were not picking up what we were putting down. Whatever we were feeling and needing inside, no matter how we tried to convey it on the outside, they didn't get it. So our insides never matched our outsides. And this is an excruciating feeling. So we end up feeling like I'm some kind of alien. There's something wrong with me. I don't belong on earth. I don't belong with people. No one could possibly get me. But of course, it's nothing about you. It's just that whatever reason, the parent didn't have the capacity to meet you. And so it's a big misunderstanding. So coming out of the disconnected wound is taking the risk to repair our ruptures. So as disconnected people, we don't even try. We're like, what's the point? If someone doesn't get me, they don't get me. It's over. It's the end. So we... Wow, I didn't even realize I was doing that. I was engaging in that experience so wholeheartedly. Yes. That seed must have been planted. And also there were other ouchies that got unouchied. And I have been just reaching out and repairing like nobody's business really genuinely like uh, naturally that's since taking so the cool class. how that happens since taking the intensive mm-hmm. since, since taking the class yeah oh, that makes my heart so happy yeah <sighs> yeah yes yeah and also you know like I I left an agent that I probably you know shouldn't have and uh, and you know like it's okay if 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 it's not okay with them, because even the repair of my own integrity saying, yeah, that was, that wasn't right. I'm sorry about that. Feels good. There's a, there's an idea in Judaism called Teshuvah, which means the return. And there, when I was taught it in like, when I was going to school as a child, basically the idea was there's this, let's say a string and at the ends, there's you and there's the higher source, God, etc. God is the universe, whoever. And when there's a when you cut the string in half, right? They're like dingling, dingling. They're not connected. But if we tie a knot between the two, the distance between you and the source gets shorter. It's the rupture repair really with God. True. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, that's But so also God is in every one of us. Absolutely. So like when I rupture and repair with you <gasps> or with Genevieve, we had this <sighs> whole, we had this whole um, episode about that. Um, I actually get closer to the source because you and I are both the source. <laughs> oh my God, I have chills. Yeah. yeah, I find that. Yeah. And also I think, I think, of course, that's like a really helpful lesson when it comes to our children. Because we can get closer to our, our children in those moments, yes. too. Yes, exactly. So mess up big, rupture all you like, and then just have the willingness to repair. You know, um, childhood developmental specialist and neurobiologist Dan Siegel talks yeah. about how really the only thing that a child really needs to scaffold lifelong mental health is just one person in their reality holding a coherent narrative of reality with them. In other words, if we have the rupture that someone has the courage to say, some adult has the courage to say, you know what, you're right. We did just have a rupture 
and let's figure out together why and how it happened and no, it's not all your fault and I did have a part in it and here's what happened and oh, now I understand and now you understand, okay, we're good now. That is all a child needs. It's not that they need a perfect childhood. They just need someone to hold reality with them. That's it. That's it. Just so that reality doesn't seem so gosh darn confusing. Right, right. What, that's why you're saying gaslighting is huge. The number one no-no. Oh, it's just... The number one no-no. I had this experience, you know, um, where I would ask myself, like, how did I end up so good? And I, I really... <laughs> and it's because of my grandfather. I mean, I had, you know, I had good enough parents. And they, they love me. And they're actually very special people. But they had their own stuff. My grandfather, who was a Holocaust survivor, would look at my dark brown hair and my hazel eyes, and he would see the whole point of it all. He saw his mother who died in the camps. He saw like the, the light and the fire of my soul. And he absolutely was that coherent narrative for me. You know, when my parents would get mad at me for being so sassy or spicy or whatever, he would turn to me and he would really understand like, you just have a cold. That was it, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. <sighs> oh, you're, you're just getting a cold. You just got a sunburn. This, is a, this was a guy who was grumpy his whole life. And that deep connection that I had with him, mm. it's all of it. So huge. It doesn't have to be your mother. It doesn't have to be your father. It doesn't have to be the no. nanny. No, could be anyone. Anyone. Just one person helping the child understand, you're not bad. Your parent was just cranky. You're not bad. You just have a sunburn. <laughs> Right? So that the child doesn't internalize there's something wrong with me. Yeah. That's so beautiful. So I wanted to go back to the om omnipotent. Laura, so we were going to do Oedipal? We could do Oedipal, but then I also want to hear how the audience can get in touch with you and oh, your offerings and yes. all of that. This has been an amazing free, free flowing conversation, but I want the world to get source coded. That's the truth. Me too. So, oh my gosh, um, I'm so excited mm -hmm. about this because it's just, source code is, you know, it's a new way of seeing ourselves and everyone else through the eyes of love. And I really hope to start a revolution of love and truth. Sounds very woo-woo and hippie, but it's actually mm -hmm. really grounded. You know, I want people to be able to see themselves and others more clearly, like not have the blinders on, see all the shadow and the growing edges, but also see it all through the eyes of love and repair and attunement and liberation and transformation. Yeah, I do too. I really think that this is a portal for, for definitely for, for these um, listeners who, who want to be big enough to hold all of their life's narratives and to have the choice to raise children in the way that they want to or not at all. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, so So if you can point us in the direction of source code, that would be amazing, like where we can find you and all of that. Sure. But I, I do selfishly want to hear a little bit about the Oedipal stage only because my son is in the middle of it. <laughs> and my daughter, who's three, was like, do we not call them private parts anymore? Like, I don't even know how to go about this stuff. <laughs> like, how do, how do you, how do you um, raise children? And I'm going to hand the mic over to you because clearly I'm fumbling. I don't even know. I don't even know. Okay. So I'll do, to do I'll right. a little of how to get in touch with me and then <clears throat> a little on the Oedipal. So um, you can follow me on Instagram, Dr. Sam Rader, at the at Dr. Sam Rader and Raiders R-A-D-E-R. Um, we are just about to launch a quiz, which I'm really excited about, which is discover your top coping style. So all of us have several, if it's not clear of the coping styles, but we're going to have a quiz that, that will be, you'll be able to see what your number one, one is. Um, and then we are also going to offer, a um, a, a brief course, a $44 course where you learn about all the coping styles and you take a more in-depth test which is really exciting. But right now what's available on my website is um, a coping styles pocket guide for free where you can download mm. uh, descriptions of all the coping styles and their antidotes so you can start to open up your world. And like Daniela was saying, simply bringing consciousness to these things, things start to shift. It's very powerful. Mm. 
We also have, um, I have a fleet of coaches and therapists who work for me doing one-on-one work with clients, which is very exciting. So if you want one-on-one work, get in touch and let us know. And then we also offer that 12-week coping styles intensive that Daniela took. And um, that's kind of our crown jewel of source code. It's just the most incredible transformational container that I've ever witnessed or, or been a part of. Um, so if, if we don't, I'm not sure when this uh, episode will air, but um, if we don't have one filling up right now, you can always join the wait list for the next one. I highly recommend it. Yes. So to go out with a bang, let's go. Oh, we're it. just going to talk about the Oedipal phase. It <laughs> is banging. It's a it bang. really is. It's banging. So when we're four or five, six years old, we go through. Oh, six. I still have time. Oh, queen. <laughs> He's right in the heart of it. Great. Great. Um, we go through a proto-puberty where we actually get our first big onslaught of sex hormones, androgens, and we start to feel sexy. We start to be curious about our bodies and the bodies of other children and our parents. And we even start to masturbate and we have little boyfriends and girlfriends at school and we want to marry mommy or daddy and we want to kill off the other parent. That's why they call it the Oedipal phase. The myth of Oedipus Rex is a prince who kills his father, the king, to marry his mother, the queen. So um, it's very healthy and natural and normal for a five-year-old to say, mommy, I love you and I want daddy to go away. Mm. he's big into that except it's more daddy I love you and I want mommy to go away but everything's going great great no that's perfect so I had a plea imprinted on my mother and I'm a heterosexual woman so it doesn't correlate to um oh I don't think it's I I, it didn't feel it didn't feel like anything but he likes Dan more than me which like I get it so he could (laughs) grow up and be gay which would be great or he could grow up and be straight which would be great or whatever but Dan right now is his edible object so Dan is the his object of desire and you're his rival. He wants, mommy, go away. I want daddy. And daddy, this is special. I want special, special time with daddy. And all of this is healthy, natural, and normal. It's really how we respond to it that will encode into your child lifelong how he feels about this part of himself, this part that is sexual, sensual, amorous, competitive, ambitious, his libidinal charge. So I love the... like uh, competitive and ambitious is like part of your sexuality or related to it? part of your libido. So when we have these sex hormones, we're we're having um, this surge of energy for the first time as five-year-olds that we didn't have as little chubby toddlers or like total limp little babies. All of a sudden we want to play interpenetrative games like you tag, you're it, come chase me. Ugh, mm. Who's winning? Who's losing? Who does she like? Mm. I want to be her boyfriend. Like, it's like all this mm-hmm. stuff. And by the way, this all dies down again, seven to 10. It's just like, boys are gross, you know? And then at around 11, we get the real puberty. And by the way, of course, I just want to say this explicitly, but when we're five-year-olds, when we feel sexy and we desire to be desired in that special way, it's certainly not about penetrative genital sex. That's we're no. way too young to understand anything about that. It's just a yummy, exciting feeling of I want to rub on you and I want to be close to you and I want to have you in a special way and I want mommy to go away. So <laughs> all of that is really natural and normal. But he, he also, he, like, he and Paz will just like lick each other's tongues. And I'll, I'll look at it and I'll think to myself, I, like, I wonder if I was like, I definitely was yelled at about that, you know, like when I was like at, you know, religious school or synagogue or like on the bus. I don't know what my parents would think, but like, I definitely have to pause. And I think to myself, I think that's normal. And I just have to walk away. You're, you know, like, I, I don't, our French, French kissing. What's that? My son and daughter will just like lick each other's tongues. And like, daughter, giggle, I, think, or, I, like, like hmm, I wonder if that's, um, yeah, that, that's the, that to me, that doesn't even feel that edible. Like, is it sexual or is it like, Oh no, that's just like sense, sense, senses. Yeah. They're yeah, just, just yummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just being, okay. it's not part of that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so um, normalizing that your son right now is going to want to play with guns and not like swords and let's sword fight. And it's that phallic part of the self. This does not mean they're going to grow up to be violent adults. Mm. You want to let them play with those phallic objects, the bow and arrow, the swords, the lightsabers, like I've got this firm part of me, both genders can do this, that wants to penetrate and make its way through the world and take aim and want what I want. And mm, that's exciting to have that phallic part. So we want to celebrate that. Um, 
what we do, what each stage of development needs is both healthy indulgence and healthy frustration, optimal indulgence and optimal frustration. So there's three coping styles we can develop during the edible phase if it goes wrong in one of three ways. And I'm not gonna go too deep into the details of that because I know we're pretty much at time here. But what we need during this phase is to be healthily indulged. Like your husband needs to say, yes, we do love each other in a special way. And I feel it too. And this is exciting. And mommy is my wife. So we're not going to mm-hmm. get rid of mommy. And that's the healthy frustration. <laughs> Yeah. So they've got to be able to feel both, that they are desired in a special way, that they do have the special sauce, that they are a contender, that is that someone's going to be so lucky to marry them someday. Because if they don't get that, they're going to feel like an undesirable person in their lives. Mm. They're not going to know how to date. They're not going to believe that they're worthy of being chosen. But they also mm. need to be told, but that, I'm not going to marry you because I'm married to mommy. Because mm. some parents go, you know what? I wish it was you. I wish we could get rid of mommy. <laughs> And when that happens, the child grows up to be, to lead with that sexual part of themselves and get themselves into a lot of trouble, love triangles Mm. and jealousy. That's the provocative coping style. So we want to just very delicately enjoy, help them enjoy that part of themselves with limits. Mm. That's a beautiful, sacred part of you. And it's precious and private and just for you. And we can feel it, but we're not going to act on it and all of that. So interesting because you would never, I, I don't know if it's just me, but you would never think, I would never think that a five-year-old, like that, that, that like the phallic play with a sword or has anything to do with desire or ambition, but it, it absolutely makes sense. I want to, you know, put my energy out into the world. Yes. I want to feel my, I want to feel Victorious. like my power. Yes. Absolutely. Victorious. Right. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, um, I think I think the Oedipal phase is one of the most misunderstood stages of childhood development. It's no one knows about it, no one talks about it. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's awkward, I guess. But yeah, I'm really excited to 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 educate the world on it and on all of our stages of development and what we need. Yeah, well, I'm excited about it. Also, I um, have had profound shifts, not just in the time that I took the course, but ever since on like an internal level, but also, you know, you, you offer a lot of guidance on your Instagram channel at Dr. Sam on Instagram. And, um, and in general, I, I I know that there is a symbiotic course. Um, it's a, it's an at-home course um, that I wanted to, if anyone here also related to, um, the symbiotic coping style that we laid out, um, of course, like there's a, there was a part of me that thought all women are this way, but it turns out, no guys, that's just my own projection. Um, maybe you're not like that at all, but if you are, there is a course for you and I really do recommend it. I, um, I wanted to thank you so much. I am excited to keep learning from you and to keep talking with you. Um, if there's anything we left out in this conversation, or if you have parting words, now is the time. I guess everyone who's listening, if you could just put your hand on your heart and take a deep breath and just feel into the depth of your being that all of this is okay. Everything that's happening in your world and inside of yourself is okay. And you're just a sweet, innocent bundle of life force continuing to grow and learn. And I love you. I love you too. Thank you.